What's up, players? Welcome to episode number 94 of Ready Press Play, your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of video games. Every Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific or 9 a.m. Eastern Time, we discuss the top news of the week, notable releases on all platforms, what we're playing, big topics of the industry, and the games we love. If you want to write anything to be read on the show, go to readyplaynetwork.com or hit us up at Ready Press Play on Twitter or TikTok. No matter where you found us, please subscribe to the feed so you can get every new show directly to your device as soon as it posts. And if you like it, please leave us a nice review. This is October 29th, 2021. I'm your host, Luis Menchaca, and joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Daniel Lima. It's a me. Dan. You know, <laughs> you know, Dan, I, I, I got to give it up to you, man. It's it's very nice and awesome to have a reliable co-host to, that always has your back and everything like that. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> I I can't I can't believe you're uh, you're you're saying that, Louis. But I I feel I feel flattered. Thank you so much. Thank you. I I know I just threw shade. I don't I didn't even want to. I don't even. I don't know. I guess it is in, in my personality to throw shade and everything like that, but I do. I, I feel equally about you, by the way. It's it's <laughs> very difficult to find for things like this because there's a lot of people that um, may think, like, maybe down to do it, like, once or twice, but it, it does take a certain kind of, uh, I don't know, like, I don't even know what the word, a commitment. Yeah, yeah. It, it takes it takes a certain kind of commitment to, uh, to be down to just be there every week, no matter what, and, uh, you know, figure out. Uh, how to do it even when you can't when you can't be there like pre-recording episodes and and stuff like that so yeah it's difficult but you also you know you can't blame people for not not being able to do that because it it does take a, a little bit of a toll you know yes I, I, um, I agree i agree with you on that one and so that, that is why i implore my twitter army to to, to angry tweet at troy like right now <laughs> No, don't do that. Don't. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, I guess it's the beating around the bush here. But uh, yes, that's the first order of business is housekeeping. Uh, Ready Play Movies is canceled. It's ending. <laughs> it's the, 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 the viewership, the ratings, they were too low to justify it. No, I'm just Fair kidding. Fair enough. It was not. That's <laughs> not true. <clears throat> yeah, no, I was planning on ending the podcast. I wanted to sunset Ready Play Movies uh, on my timeline. Um, I had a certain uh, timetable that I wanted to end the show, but uh, Troy basically sort of rushed that timetable. So uh, next week, um, so for you, for video watchers on Level 1 Gaming, it will be, um, it will be, this Tuesday will be the announcement that I'm ending the show. And then this coming Tuesday for audio listeners, it'll be the actual last final episode that I'll be recording with Troy. So, yeah. It's uh, it's uh, the 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 thing didn't even, the the thing was like a couple of months away from ending for from hitting a one year anniversary. So, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, before we uh, move on though, I just wanted to give your your thoughts on the show, like wholesale, like wholesale, like Ready Play movies. What were your thoughts on the on the show? Did you find it entertaining? Did you find it educational? Did you learn anything? Uh, I find it funny that you say uh, the 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 viewership did not justify it because that's probably true for this show as well. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day, we just kind of do it. Uh, we just kind of do it for fun and to have a reason to uh, catch up with each other and and follow the gaming news and talk about games and stuff. But uh, you know, we we don't really do it for the views. But it uh, it does make it so that it's easier to be like, you know what, fuck this. Let's uh, let's stop doing it if you just feel like it one day because it's not like there's a there's a big audience out there claiming for it but uh nonetheless that's a bit of a tangent um i thought the show was good i thought you know you and troy had a cool energy a cool dynamic that was very different than mine and yours 
I felt like uh, in the beginning, it took a few episodes for you guys to kind of find your footing and you're still figuring out how to uh, how to interact with each other and do the show and, and figuring out the format and stuff. But I feel like you guys found a good, entertaining format. Uh, at some point, I did think the episodes got a little too long, especially for somebody like me that sometimes um, is not able to listen to stuff and lets it accumulate. And when I had like three or four two plus hour long episodes accumulated it just looked very daunting to the point where uh, i actually skipped quite a bit of episodes but i did listen to a few you know your last few solo episodes i listened to at least the beginning off uh, like two of them and then i listened to the last one in its entirety um and i i think uh you know i i think you guys did a good job as a duo um i think the show was a good testing ground for a few fun experiments like uh, some of the episodes that we did together, the episode that I did with my, with my sister, especially. Um, and I also think that it was also an experiment for you trying to do a podcast on your own and figure out that you can actually do it and pull it off um, and see what that's like and um, how much it tires you and tires yeah. your voice and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I feel like the show leaves a fun legacy, something that you can uh, look back on in the future and, and listen back to, you know, specific thoughts. I, I do want to point out, too, you guys did that... Um, uh, four person, um, w- w- um, Snyder the League, cut, the Snyder yeah, cut, the, yeah, the Snyder cut, uh, review, right? So, um, that was something cool. There, there's a few like standalone things about it that I think are are gonna be cool to go back and and listen back to even years down yeah. the road. Uh, I think my favorite so. episode was the Origins episode where we just threw away the format and just talked about ourselves. I was like one of like the highlights, and it's almost like a it's an evergreen episode that literally yeah. can just be listened to at any point. That's there's a the lot thing. of evergreen content in that sh- in the in the podcast, like sprinkled throughout. Yeah, that's the thing that's interesting about this show, too, is, like, there's so much of it that is topical and probably doesn't age super well or interestingly, but I could totally see myself going back, you know, like, if we ever end this show and then, like, years later coming back to listen to or gaming history episodes or best games of the decades or uh, maybe just listening to random sharing the loves and, and uh, things along those lines. So, uh, or even, you know, predictions, you know, going back and listen to like, Oh, how do we, pre- how did we predict 20, 2020 and how wrong that was or whatever. Um, yeah. So I even go back and listen to some of the podcasts that I did in uh, 2015, like very rarely. I'm not saying that uh, that's part of my, uh, you know, routine or anything like that. But occasionally I, I'll go back and listen to something at least for a little bit. And it's interesting. Uh, it's kind of this weird, like, time capsule. Yeah. You know? My only regret for Ready Play Movies is that we never got to do the top 10 movies or the Ready Play Movies top 20 movies of the decades. Like, I was uh, mm-hmm. I was planning on doing those banked episodes, but we had never – I was never able to get with Troy to, to set aside a time to do a, a banked episode. Um we never uh, did. We never did a, a a remote episode. Like we did remote like audio episodes, but we never did a remote video episodes. And video required um, more uh, financial investment um, for like you know webcam microphones and stuff like that. Right. Uh, something that we just weren't able to just uh, figure out or figure out who, how it's going to be expensed and everything. So ultimately, like the show could go on with Troy, you know, doing it remotely, but it would have been a, just more of a, a hassle that we just wouldn't been able to. I don't know if we were going to be able to overcome like the way we do. So, um, yeah, I, I, I am a little, uh, saddened. Um, like you were very, very like, I could tell that you were very, uh, like, I, 
you i could tell that you you were very affected uh uh while you were doing your last uh solo episode it's like it was almost like you started it all excited and and not thinking too much about it and then like by the end of the episode you're like oh it's it's (laughs) hitting me yeah yeah, it was hitting me the the more i realized like this is the last time i'm gonna do a chart this is gonna be the last time i read a blurb you know like it's gonna be like Mm. yeah and it sucks you know have doing that by myself by the way no there's no troy to like go back and back and and forth with and everything like that. I'm glad Troy's coming back, which uh, we're recording this episode a day early because I had a uh, finagle a, a scheduled meetup with Troy. Which, so. by the way, for the final episode, you could always do the top movies, like the idea that you wanted to do that you never did. But you could do like a, just a top movies of all time kind of discussion uh, between you and Troy or I don't know, just a suggestion. Damn. And, and the other thing, um, well... You might have more to say about RPM, but I, I did want to point out a change of subject, but also housekeeping that was not in the doc that we should probably mention was the fact that we missed, uh, I believe we missed an upload on the Level 1 Gaming channel, right? So yeah. We probably want to point, point. We probably yeah. want to point that out, that if you're watching this in the Level 1 Gaming channel and you're like, oh, what happened to episode 93, today's episode 94, you can go and find that on podcast services, and I believe... Uh, I believe Lewis will also put it in a, in our Ready Play Network YouTube channel, so maybe there will be a link somewhere in here in the description or something. Yeah, right here. Top. Yeah. Uh, the, the, there it is. It's going to pop up. It's also going to be in the description in this YouTube video as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. Oh, yeah. And just uh, and just one last thing here um, on, on the subject of what's happening with RPM. Uh, it is ending, but I am still planning on being on Level 1 Gaming, not just on this very podcast, but also... I am. Uh, I will hope to get, land the gig, and just fingers crossed. <laughs> I hope to land a gig on uh, a level one gaming's uh, a, one of level one gaming's podcasts. Um, can't say really anything beyond that now. Um, uh, basically, if you guys are really good sleuths, you probably will figure it out. But I'm not going to say anything. My lips are sealed. Uh, I'm very bad at saying these things publicly because I don't know what's supposed to be a secret and what's not supposed to be a secret. So you know, it is what it is. So yeah, um, that's it for that. And uh, we were. Uh, this is uh, the most we've ever gone on housekeeping. So I'll go ahead and uh, and kick the show off. Actually, like for real this time, we'll go ahead and get on to the topics of discussion. So uh, surprisingly, there was actually a bit of news this week. I think uh, for the, like the last couple of weeks, they have been pretty like I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Like very light on news, and it's very like kind of spare. Uh, you know, sparse on news, and this one, it's like, damn, I got, actually got a lot of stuff to talk about, and it was on me to make the show uh, happen this week, so I'm very happy with that, with how it turned out. So, the first thing's up uh, is the state of play. Um, there was a state of play today, uh, the day of recording, and it was basically the, uh, um, it is a good way to, um, what do you call it, set the expectations lower, right? Because last day, uh, the last PlayStation, uh, direct was like had wolverine and like the new spider-man trailer and it was just like oh my god boss of the wall great god of war all that stuff this time let's just let's just like scale it back and make it so the next one is good i gotta i I gotta i gotta ask you lewis um i didn't follow what the announcement was like for the state of play i don't know if it was just the if if they set the expectations correctly for it because in my head like I think people tend to get mad about these things, but I, I feel like more often than not, companies um, do go out and say it like, hey, by the way, this will be a shitty one, okay? Don't expect <laughs> anything. Like, they tend to say that. 
uh, with other words, uh, and then people just kind of, you know, still run with it. Uh, so I wonder, like, what was the the deal with this one? Whether they, you know, they hyped it up and then people got disappointed or not. I haven't really followed the conversation around it too much because I don't even think there was much of a conversation around it, as far as I could tell. Uh, this feels like it just kind of came out of nowhere, and then it was like, oh, okay, this is alright. It was just like some small announcements and stuff, and it feels like. I wonder if Sony could benefit from branching the State of Play brand into different sub-brands, kind of how Nintendo did it with the Directs and then the Direct Minis and the Partner Showcases and the Indie Directs and all of that stuff. Indie um, World and all that stuff, yeah. Because, you know, most of the State of Plays have been like this, where it's like, here's a few announcements on some B-tier games, or, you know, that's not, I don't mean that offensive, but, like, not, like, AAA um and there was like the one that was like oh like here's this feels more like a big like a bigger nintendo direct here's our first party lineup and stuff like that so i wonder if it makes sense to really split those up into different um i don't know different names to tell you the truth i don't even know if uh playstation has ever had a good state of play like, well the last ever. one was that the, the one with wolverine and everything was that a, maybe that was not even a state of play am i that getting was not that a state stuff? of play that was a playstation showcase or whatever they call oh okay it. yeah okay whatever so i think was. so i think they're doing it right then because like the playstation showcase that's the one you want to look forward to the state of play is just like small small stuff yeah yeah well like the playstation okay. showcase usually tends to be like the hour long and it tends to be the bigger stuff right it was usually like the like the um you know the, the the showing off of the PS5 for the for the first time and things like that. He's like those bigger things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. So as far as the actual news, we actually got an article pulled up from I, from IGN. Everything that was announced, um, it says here. I'm gonna just sort of kind of like speed run it because really it wasn't anything to be like I don't know. Uh, nothing really to ogle at. So Sony's latest, latest play, uh, state of play presentation aired earlier today, and with it came plenty of up, uh, updates from third-party games coming to PS4 and PS5. Uh, besides giving us our first look at the little devil inside uh, since June 2020, a brand-new Star Ocean game called Star Ocean, the Divine Force, is heading to PS4 and PS5 next year. So uh, little devil inside, uh, was this, uh, this is, um, what do you call it? When I see this here, let me just... Uh, let me just uh, mute that here. But when I saw this, isn't this like, I guess this would be like the, the other big game, like quote unquote big game that uh, people were sort of like, I don't know, excited for? Or am I, am I reading, reading the room wrong on that one? Those, this was the bigger one out of this uh, state of play. It was the one they had at the end. They showed it for the longest amount of time. Uh, however, I had heard this name. Uh, we might have, I might have remembered seeing it at a at the PlayStation event last year, but uh, didn't really stand out to me in any particular way. Um, I'll pull up a quick description here. It is an upcoming action adventure video game developed and published by NeoStream Interactive. The game's single player and cooperative multiplayer modes both follow the professional and personal lives of explorers searching for monsters and supernatural events in a 19th century inspired world. Um, it's coming to a bunch of platforms, PS5, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, PC, uh, etc. So, yeah, I don't have a lot to say about it, honestly. I didn't really think it, uh, it was particularly, like, it didn't particularly stand out to me, but there's plenty of people out there that seem to be excited for it, so, um, I'll power to them. Yeah, I'm, uh, this is my first time seeing it because I actually didn't get a chance to watch the the state of play. Uh, so, it's got a cool-ass art style, I will say that. It's got, like, this chibi, like paper mario kind of hybrid thing going on with a little like darker uh, darker tones to it so mm-hmm. it looks cool um i don't know what to say other than that and so 
the description also doesn't seem to really like uh, sell me on it either much at all. So I'd have to see more about what this game has to offer. But anyways, uh, that being said, I'll keep it moving, keep it pushing. Uh, Bug Snacks is getting a free uh, free update uh, in the spring of next year. Uh, it's basically like this big island of like big bugs or something like that. So the Isle of Big Snacks is what it's called. So again, nothing that moves the needle for me either. What about you, Dan? Same. I, I am already going to... You don't even need to ask uh, my opinion for all these other announcements pretty much because I feel the same way about all of them. <laughs> Where And I, I'm not I'm not trying to talk shit. I'm just indifferent. These just happen to all be games that I don't care about. And I think that's my overall like thoughts on the state of play is that it, I'm sure it did something for some people out there uh, and I'm happy for them, but it, it didn't really do anything for me. The only game that i want to highlight that like oh this game looks really good is a game that's actually already out on the xbox which is death's door uh that game came out earlier this year it's kind of one of the standout indies of the year um game that we could though probably gonna see uh, in the game awards in some fashion uh has some really good uh art style as well uh and that's coming to ps5 and ps4 in november 2023 uh but aside from that everything else uh honestly looked kind of mediocre to me nothing that really uh, stood out it's like oh man because you know i'm very open-minded with this stuff like i i watch all the indie directs during uh you know e3 and stuff like that and usually you know i write notes on my phone like oh that game looked cool that game looked cool i'll even bring them up on the in the podcast if there's something that seems uh innovative or just uh you know um has some cool unique game mechanic or whatever but with this one just nothing really did anything for me yeah same this game uh, kind of reminds me a bit of uh, diablo so yes yes uh, yes anyways um as far as i'll just go ahead and run down run it down here five nights at freddy's uh security breach launches later this year on december 16th uh it's a cool ass trailer it's got like cgi and stuff like that it's kind of like a, a step up from like the early days of five nights at freddy's where it was like kind of like very like simple graphics and stuff like that now you got 3d models um star ocean the divine uh force i didn't get to see that one because that was part of the second half of the state of play um uh, Death Verse, a new uh, Battle Royale. Okay, cool. Uh, King of Fighters also did not do anything for me. Because uh, first off, King of Fighters 15, I think, hasn't that been game been like long been announced like a long time ago? I feel like that game should have came out like a long time ago. So I don't know. It just seems really weird. Uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a big KOF fan either much uh, as well. So yeah, um, also there was this, uh, this really weird, like very, uh, what do you call it? Uh, very quirky trailer for something called We Are OK or We Are OFK. Yeah. I and didn't like, like that at all. It's got a very meta trailer where like the voice actor is also narrating and also being a voice actor and changing his voice on the fly or whatever. I don't know. Is I, it... Yeah, I feel like I, I, I wouldn't mind something like that if the jokes actually hit. But it was like they were trying to make fun of the fact that it wasn't funny, and I just couldn't. It it just didn't do it for me. I feel like maybe I wasn't a particular type of mood where I was, you know, making it harder uh, to be wowed, but. Uh, this state of play really felt like they didn't even really try much yeah. to to wow you. You know, it was it was just kind of. I, I saw a lot of people say, you know, this could have been e- this could have been an email. Yeah. Um, and uh, I often find those kinds of comments harsh, but for this particular one, I'm like, yeah, man. Like, I I really I really think so. This should have been a tweet. <laughs> you know, what's kind of messed up is like um, this has got to go down in history probably as like the worst digital presentation like ever. Like, 
from any like the like do you take the worst Nintendo Direct and you you compare it to this one? You take the worst inside Xbox and you compare it to this one. This might the only thing the only good thing that you got going for it is that it's short and it didn't really truly True. waste your time. That's True. the only saving grace. From um you know from first party, I'm gonna agree with you. I'm just not gonna say it in general because there's been some really bad third party presentations in the past especially you know this last e3 there were some like when with every company trying to do a, a conference you know there was like a gearbox one that was just terrible <laughs> so yeah um, yeah that's i guess that's what i meant by from from first party yeah i wouldn't put it in, in, in that level of some of the third parties but yeah, if you think of like the nintendo directs you know this this is in line with some of the weakest nintendo directs i think you're right you know yeah all right, cool. Next up, we got a new Pikmin game announced, but it's not quite the Pikmin that you think it is going to be. It's a it's a Pokemon Go esque uh, game made by Niantic, the same people behind Pokemon Go. Uh, so it's an AR uh, augmented reality game, and uh, so yeah, it's I think it's already out, I believe, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. But anyways, it's called Pikmin Bloom. It's a new augmented reality app from Nintendo and Pokemon Go creator Niantic. It's coming to mobile devices starting Tuesday, so I guess I was right. It is already out. Uh, the new app will be released on, in Australia and Singapore first. What the? Okay. And will roll out globally coming uh, over the coming days on Apple's App Store and Google Play Store, according to a news uh, release. It will be available t- to download for free. As a, as I gotta, I gotta come out here as a, as a mobile developer and say that uh, it's very common for mobile games to release in Asia before they do anywhere else. Uh, they're mm-hmm. very common test markets for a variety of reasons before they roll them out in like Europe and um, Amer- and the Americans and stuff. You just usually that doesn't make the news, so you don't really hear about it until it's it gets here. But uh, not. Uh, it's actually not that uh, unusual that it's uh, that it's coming out where it is uh, first. Um, they're good. They're good testing markets um, before you know you're really hitting the the bigger markets. Uh, make sure your servers are working good. Make sure that uh, there's no major issues. That you know the the game is retaining its its players and and so forth. Uh, crash free and all that stuff. Um, yeah. So Louis, I I actually I don't know much about this to be honest with you. Like, what do you know what the gameplay of this is actually like? So it says here this app takes a more peaceful approach and doesn't involve fighting over creatures. In Pikmin Bloom, you you plant Pikmin, which grow automatically as you walk. Then you pluck them. The more you walk, the more Pikmin friends you make. So it's basically <laughs> like a, a real-world walking app where you know how, mm-hmm. like, in Pokemon Go, you're walking and stuff like that. Well, this one, they want you to walk as well. And the more you walk, the more Pikmin you can, like, uh, pluck off the ground uh, from your, your screen by swiping. And so you have more Pikmin walking behind you virtually, and then they plant flowers. Hmm. So you're supposed to, like, sort of build your garden across your the, the places that you walk in, you, you normally walk through. Maybe okay. make a garden in your, in your neighborhood or whatever. Okay. I mean, it's it's kind of a neat idea, but I with these AR games, I find it that um, it's gonna be so hard for another one to hit in the same way or even close to how uh, to how Pokemon Go hit because Pokemon Go just had so much going forward uh, at at the time that that it was released. I mean, just Pokemon characters in general, which which are universally loved uh, by anybody under you know under their 30s probably at this point and the fact that they you know were using the first generation pokemon that are the ones that everybody knew um that it was the first game of its kind really there was ingress before but i mean the first one uh to have some kind of popular and big uh marketing appeal behind it 
And I feel like now, I don't know if any other company other than Ionic or even Ionic themselves are going to be able to hit that same um, combination of, of factors again. And with Pikmin, I mean, honestly, compare Pikmin to Pokemon as a franchise, and it's not... Uh, I'm going to say something that uh, that uh, that we sometimes say in, uh, in in Brazil is like an expression, but like, they can't even eat in the same restaurant. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they're... <laughs> It's uh like in the restaurant where uh where uh Pokemon eats like the Pik- Pikmin can't even walk in <laughs> you know what I mean like they're, wow. they're in a, I love Pikmin I love the games I just mean as a franchise like franchise recognition uh you know franchise popularity they're in a different echelon you know uh yeah. so it's hard for me to believe that this could hit because like o- over here you got you know Mario and you got you know uh Smash Brothers and you got Mario Kart and you got Pokemon and stuff. And then under it, actually, you probably have, like, the Zeldas and the Donkey Kongs and, you know, Animal Crossing somewhere in between and all this other stuff. Like, think about how many steps down, you know, below that Pikmin really is. Um, <laughs> and I, I say that as somebody who absolutely loves Pikmin. In fact, I was I was thinking about doing a sharing the love on Pikmin and stuff. Um, but, yeah, it's just a reality. So I'll be surprised if this hits. Um, we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, they're definitely not in the same league. Uh, that's for sure. And it's... Uh... Uh, I mean, you know, I, I think with Nintendo, they try, they generally tend to like their uh, let their games on mobile be like a, essentially operate as brand ambassadors for like their uh, their games. So like they want you to you know get easily hooked into Pikmin, so that way you can you know buy the next Pikmin game on the Switch. Yeah. Or whatever. I don't know. It's um, but yeah. Let me uh, let me read to you the the, uh, the the article here because it actually tells you the gameplay. So. <clears throat> Walking with your Pikmin also leaves a trail of blooming flowers and gives your Pikmin the chance to collect items. There are no new Pikmin in this game, but they will collect outfits that you they will collect outfits that they can wear. As they collect specific items like fruit, you can use it to feed your Pikmin. Feeding them will then cause flowers to bloom on their heads so that you can use uh, so that you can use it to plant even more flowers on your walk, allowing you and others to plant virtual gardens all throughout your city. And I'm going to skip to this next paragraph and it says Pikmin Bloom is trying to be more about celebrating mundane memories. A key part of the game will be a journal that allows you to reflect on your day. So each day, the app will allow you to count your steps and will generate a general ent- a journal entry that gives you the option to add photos and create a little entry. And there's even like a this article even has like a uh, an example of what the entries would look like and with like a little scrapbook, very cutesy, very uh, I don't know artsy. I don't know what's the but yeah, it looks cool. It looks it looks like I don't know. A stripped-down version of Pokemon Go that also has like the the simplicity of that one survey app that Nintendo did. I forgot what it was like. Mitomo? No, not Mitomo. Oh yeah, yeah. That that was Mitomo. Oh Mitomo. Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's got like it's like this scrapbook thing reminds me a bit of Mitomo. So yeah, yeah. I I will say this. I do applaud Nintendo for and Niantic for uh, making this game. I think it's cool that they're continuing to try to innovate in the mobile space to try to pursue AR projects to try to push people to go outside and you know go on walks and have a healthy lifestyle. Nintendo has been doing that in some way or another ever since the Wii days. So um, it's it's cool to see it's cool to see it it's cool to see another attempt to edit. And I I will say that Leah has recently come back to playing Pokemon Go. She's actually playing it pretty regularly. Right Right now so i'm gonna try when this comes out i'm gonna try to download it and have leah download it as well and uh see if we can uh if we can get into it and i'll i'll bring some thoughts in the podcast if we do okay all right next up is uh all these nintendo news we have so much of it and uh we're gonna tackle it one at a time here 
First, uh, first order of business is uh, for all you guys that bought a Nintendo Switch OLED, like the, the OLED model, you can suck it. Because <laughs> <laughs> the new Nintendo Switch 2 reports, uh, rumor, ha- rumor mill has you know, taken, uh, you know, taken steam here. And it says that uh, a new report is making the rounds claiming that the successor to the Nintendo Switch tentatively called the Nintendo Switch 2, is set to release sometime between holiday 2022 and early 2023. This comes from comicbook.com, by the way. Uh, The report comes uh, on the back of the uh, months and months of reports about a Nintendo Switch Pro that never fully came to fruition. This month, the Nintendo Switch OLED released, but hardly a a new Nintendo Switch Pro. Uh, That said, while the Nintendo Switch OLED plays every Nintendo Switch game, it sounds like the Nintendo Switch 2 may not. The new new report comes from Nate the Hate over on YouTube, a Nintendo insider and leaker that has been proven reliable in the past, uh, but a source that also has been off the mark on the past as well. As noted, the report mentions that a release is roughly a year away, give or take a few months. And if it's true, an announcement should be coming somewhat soon. That is not true. There's no, they're going to usually announce it just before it releases. Um, in addition to leaking the console and its release window, the report also mentions that it currently isn't backwards compatible with the Nintendo Switch, the Nintendo Switch Lite, or the Nintendo Switch OLED games. Of course, this is bad news for those who own a Switch and any number of games for it. However, according to the report, Nintendo is working on remedying this issue. That said, if this being a problem is the first place is that said, if this is uh, if this being a problem in the first place, it is telling. Um, adding to this, it's claimed that the console will support 4K through NVIDIA DLSS, um, which is in turn suggests it won't be far, far off from the PS5 and the Xbox Series X specs wise. That I don't believe that in the slightest. Yeah, um, that's that's so anyways, a reach. That yeah. is a reach. Yeah. So I'm gonna go ahead and stop the the the, uh, the article there here. So what are your thoughts uh, at this rumor and like how much how much uh, salt are you putting in this or not? Because I you know you always say take things with a grain of salt. This one just feels like take it with a lump of salt. Is what it says, yeah. What it feels um, like. You know if uh, if this turns out to be true, um, I'll just come in and say I told you so because <laughs> I've. Talked about it in this podcast after the, you know, well, first I predicted that the, the the Switch Pro that came out this year would not be what people expected, even though I didn't know what that would be. Uh, and turns out I was right. And then later I said, don't worry, you're going to get another Switch next year. And I still believe that because the way I look at it is that people tend to think of the Switch as the replacement of the, the Wii U, the replacement of the, the console business for Nintendo. I look at it more as the replacement of the handheld business. It's really both, but I, I almost look at it more of a, like the Switch is the successor to the 3DS more than it is the successor to the Wii U in my head. And Nintendo always made a lot of versions of their handhelds. They always liked putting out new, uh, you know, new, new colors and new special editions as well as iterations and options, you know, the high-end option, the low-end option, the bigger screen option. And I think that will be true for the Switch. I think every year we're going to get a new Switch. And I'm pretty sure that's been true ever since the release already because we had the original Switch. Then we got the Switch Lite. Then we got the Switch with a longer battery life that was not really advertised, but it was a model revision. And then we got the Switch OLED, like four years, four Switches. I think that's going to keep happening. You know, at some point it's going to be one that is more powerful 
uh, which, you know, so far we have not gotten one that's more powerful yet. Uh, at some point, we probably will. At some point, we'll get a bigger one. At some point, we might get one that uh, that is, you know, the home console experience only and doesn't. So I don't know. There's a lot of possibilities, a lot of different directions they could go. Now, I will say this. Um, I do think a priority for Nintendo will always be to be able to price themselves competitively when compared to the other consoles. And when I say competitively, I mean cheaper. Um, and for that, mostly for that reason, because they're they're going to want to be cheaper and they're going to want to profit off the con- on the console, which the other manufacturers oftentimes don't, um, I find it very hard to believe that we'll always see a Switch that is comparable to the home consoles of from microsoft and uh playstation what i mean by that is that maybe we'll we'll only see a switch that's as powerful as the ps5 when the ps6 or the ps5 (laughs) pro is out you know yeah so honestly i would just like to see a switch that's as powerful as a ps4 yeah that's really all i want um but yeah uh, like the regular base, hell, give me a regular base Xbox One in terms of power. I can handle 900p. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that being said, um, uh, yeah, I'm a little, um, I don't know, hesitant about that. Like, I, I think that would be very, like, this would be, this is this is self-assuring to me hearing this news because I didn't buy this, the OLED. Right. So it would makes it makes it like, it makes me feel more justified and vindicated hearing this and stuff like that. Um, and I mean, besides, like, honestly, like, the reviews are out, you know, the OLED is good if you're a first time switch buyer and it's not really right. like a, um, like the only justification to, so to replace your switch is if you're, if your launch model is a little, you know, long in the tooth, you know, but I, I have my launch model and I'm going to stick to it. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. I, I have a few more things to throw out there though. Um, in the past, Nintendo had two branches of their business and some, and at some points they had three, meaning that they were getting money. They were selling, uh, DS's at the same time that they were selling Wii's, right? Now they're only selling this one machine. They've kind of unified both of the branches in one. So they need to get even more creative to be able to sell just as many units, right? So even even though you may look at the Switch and the Switch is a runaway success, uh, they can't get too comfortable because success for Nintendo probably also means basically selling as many Switch units as they were doing DS and Wii combined month over month, right? Because they unified it. Um, So they're probably trying to figure out ways to lead people to buy more than one Switch or have more than one Switch per household. I think that's definitely something that they're pushing for and will continue to push for. Uh, So we might see things like switches that are very good at the at one thing so that you may want to have two we have a switch that's very good at being a portable machine now with the switch oled it is the best portable switch right because um it is the one that has the best portable screen could it be that the next switch is the best uh docked switch so the idea is that you have one that stays docked while the other one is is the one that you take with you or whatever um i don't know that that might be a, a bit of a stretch but i'm just saying they they seem to be trying to push people to buy more than one switch per household as well mike my, my quick my only question here is regarding the rumor like why would nintendo be prototyping a a successor to the switch that doesn't have backwards compatibility it doesn't like what if they just got rid of the cartridge port like what if they just there's no cartridge slot at all would that would that would be utterly insane to me. Yeah, 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, the I, I could only see them doing that if they're seeing that uh, most people are going digital or something, or they want to maybe create a digital edition of the Switch because they're seeing, you know, the digital PS5 and the the Series S, and so maybe they maybe they want to be in that space as well. Um, well, I mean that, and also like the the the, the cost to manufacture you know, the cartridges are expensive. Yes, like flash memory is expensive as uh, as all hell, and even with third parties, they don't want to uh, pony up for uh more expensive cartridges so like um when you think about like uh la noir la noir had you know didn't pony up for the more expensive cartridges with the with bigger storage capacities they just made you buy the small cartridge with like a four gigabyte cartridge and a download code for the rest of the game you Mm -hmm. know what i mean like yeah that just kind of sucks yeah so i don't know i just think that it's a it'd be a very uh weird uh like uh like shooting themselves on the foot if the if the switch if the new successor to the switch does not play switch games mm-hmm. so anyways uh i'll go ahead and keep it moving here because we got a, a three for one combo here uh there is got three articles pulled up that is all about the nintendo 64 uh switch online app um it just launched this week um like there was a, like a, an update that was pushed out and then you can buy the expansion pack and then you can basically play uh, Nintendo 64 games, uh, you know, through the app, and just like you could Super Nintendo games. And so the internet has been a much, uh, uh, I don't know, but a much ado about this uh, this situation here. So the first uh, the first article up here is comes from uh, Kotaku, and it says players have t- uh, a ton of complaints about the Nintendo Switch Online's uh, N64 games. So there's controller lag, frame rate troubles, bad button layouts. Uh, that plagued the Switch Online's expansion pack. So Nintendo 64 games have finally been officially playable. Um, and almost immediately, social media started f- uh, filling up with examples of technical shortcomings, emulation woes, and button layouts that proves that is uh, no good. It once again calls into the question what exactly people are, are getting in exchange for the Switch Online's new premium price tier. To recap, uh, let me just go ahead and skip that recap here and just get to it. There's a Twitter uh, posting here, and it's got like actual images of the Nintendo Switch. Uh, here's like an N64. Here's uh, the, the, the Wii Virtual Console. And here's the Nintendo Switch. Uh, ugh, it just looks disgusting, like very bad. Uh, there's no fog. The, the the water texture is weird. It's super really. It's really weird that Nintendo made an emulator that's worse than the emulator that's free out there for the public to use. I don't know. Uh, I'll go ahead and stop the article right here uh, and and I'll throw it to you, Dan. What are your thoughts? Just even seeing just this Twitter image. I am. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm looking through it right now, and I will say that uh, I didn't really like what it looked like on the Wii. Because I feel like, the, at least on these screenshots, the Wii one is stretched out. And I think it makes the um, some of the UI look weird when it's stretched out like that. I would rather uh, it be... If they were not going to, like, basically remaster the game, then I would actually rather it be 4x3 with the bars um, on the on the sides. Uh, but yeah, this the Switch version, though, this is very interesting. I don't even... I can't even understand how it would look like that. Um, Louis, not to be, uh, conspiratorial, but do you think there's any chance that the screenshot is fake? Uh, no. Okay. No, there's, uh, a lot of various screenshots and various videos already circulating on the, uh, internet about 
Um, and I've seen actual trusted YouTubers that I watch okay. uh, show their video capture of uh, some of the weird, uh, I don't know, effects, like fog effects being really we- weirdly messed up. Yeah, because with uh, this screenshot, you can also tell that uh, I guess the, the the person is looking at it at a different point in the game. Because in, in one screenshot, like the, in the Wii screenshot, you got a lot of hearts. He's wearing the green tunic. You know, he's got the mini map in the corner the, the, the more things in the ui and stuff and then on the other one he has the red tunic he has less hearts it's, um well the 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 reason why you see this is because this is day one uh the reason why he only has four hearts is because he was a speedrunner. because this is the okay. water temple and it's much later on in the game so if you got it the same night he was speedrunning and tearing through the actual game so. okay that's i was just kind of wondering that the fact that there was like a difference in like the the scenario of the game between the screenshots maybe go like oh could it be that the screenshot is just in a different place and it, like he's looking at it from a different angle or he's somewhere else or something i don't know um yeah. but i i like i don't remember the game enough to uh to know that but yeah no it's it's disappointing it doesn't look good and it just kind of validates that um, it's probably not worth the cost of admission you know <laughs> uh it really isn't and the truth is um I want to see. I want to. Nintendo has this great back catalog of games, uh, and they have so many resources, so much money right now. I want to see them do better. I want to see them give us better stuff, and uh, not just better emulation. I want to see remastered versions of these games. Why can't we see, you know, the Ocarina of Time? Why they? Why can't they take the 3DS version of Ocarina of Time and then make that even better, and then release that on the Switch? Why can't they give us a quality emulator that can play it in the exact same way that it was on the on the N64 or with, you know, automated enhancements in the way that Xbox does it, right? Like, why do we just accept that Nintendo gives us subpar products and charges more and we're just supposed to be happy with it? You know, I really want to see. I think they can do so much better than this. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm glad I did not. I'm glad I'm not, I didn't uh, pay for the Nintendo Switch expansion. Um mm-hmm. And not, nor will I, by the way. Uh, so this is just kind of sort of another one of those situations where, like, uh, seeing this just sort of leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I love Nintendo. I love their games. And it just sucks that they're, like, basically, you know, shitting on their own product, basically. And mm-hmm. Nintendo is a company, has a stance where they don't want to shit on your, their own products. They want to make sure that they um, they have their, their products remain and keep their value, you know, things like that. Right. They do a lot to manage their brands that way so i mean um, think about it yeah. what is uh what is xbox's crown jewel when it comes to their games halo halo right with with the newest xbox right now you can go and download the master chief collection uh included in the game pass subscription or for 60 dollars, and you get all the halo games ever released pretty much having been uh updated and upgraded to uh the point where they look like new games for the most part right yes um and their second uh, biggest crown jewel would be uh gears of war which they've also upgraded and remastered and delivered to us uh, the all the different games they're also all available on game pass and everything else uh and then you look like on the sony side you know it's a little bit different i think because with sony they're more like like i don't even know like what the crown jewel of sony would be i guess naughty dog games which um you know at this point you can get them all uh you know on ps4 and ps5 as well the uncharted collection has been remastered and you know they're about to release uncharted 4 on the on the ps5 as well uh we don't know about the last of us but that game is still like looks infused new so i think it's a weird different example uh but my point still stands that like i feel like 
Nintendo has some of the best games of all time. And, like, what's the best way to play Ocarina of Time, one of the best games of all time right now, is, like, or the most accessible way, is this. Um, you know? Yeah. Still, the 3DS is the best way. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna continue on with the article here because uh, it actually gives a little bit more context to what I was talking about, the, the, the screenshots. Sure. Speedrunner ZFG1. Uh, shared a collection of screenshots comparing the game's infamous water temple across the original Nintendo 64, the Wii U Virtual Console, and the latest version of the game. Uh, fog, draw distance, and water textures are all worse on the Switch version. Quote, it might actually be worse than the Wii U Virtual Console, ZFG1 wrote on Twitter. And damn, those are some shots right there because the Wii U Virtual Console was pretty trash when it came to emulation. Uh, so... Uh, it says other speedrunners have also been uh, taking the expansion pack version of Ocarina to task. A clip uh, going around from Mutant Aura shows the game uh, chugging while running around Kakariko Village until it crashes altogether. Another clip by Tofool shows a bunch of input lag while using the um, unwired pro, uh, Switch Pro controller. Based on the video by Game Explain, it takes several extra frames for Link to swing his sword after pressing the button in previous versions. Uh, Ocarina of Time isn't the only game running into issues. Seemingly, seemingly, uh, seemingly sluggish frame rates on startup have also led to spooky intros from the likes of Super Mario 64 and Mario Kart 64. The latter of also missing a bunch of fog that had previously masked some of the uglier aspects of the game. Uh, one of the draws of the expansion pack isn't just the ability to play classic N64 games on the Switch, it also the chance for, uh, to play them online, something that wasn't an option before, but players have similarly been encountering a bunch of frame rate and latency issues while trying to race against friends online. And I did see um, uh, beat-em-ups, you know, he had an online, uh, uh, he was playing uh, Mario Kart 64 online at split screen and it was just chugging. And there was full, like, the music was just cutting off and not even playing the actual music for the, the tracks. Like, it was like a, like a ghost town. It was very eerie sounding. Uh, there was also a video I saw where, like, the, the, the very intro to Yoshi's story was just all jumbled up and mixed very poorly and just being effed up, and it sounded very, like, instead of very welcoming and very childlike, it's very dark and spooky. So, um, yeah, there's uh, the Twitter videos are over here on the on the article as well. Uh, but there's also one other thing here on the tech side. Uh, there's some extre uh, extremely questionable choices elsewhere. For example, Mario Kart 64, the actual Mario Kart 64, it required a controller pack to save uh, data. So like your actual uh, original N64 memory cards were actually plugged into the controller, and that's where you saved it. There was no battery save on certain games. So Mario Kart 64 is one of those examples. So on the emulation side of things, uh, it's asking you to put in a controller pack to save the game, which you can't do. So you just have to basically utilize the save states, which is really stupid because your common emulator for the Nintendo 64 can emulate a, uh, a controller pack save. So that's just dumb. I just think that's really weird that Nintendo sucks at their own technology, but uh, it, it is what it is. It almost comes across like this whole thing was just rushed and... Um, I, there would be so there's so much 
better ways to do all this stuff. And there's part of me that wonders if uh, it wouldn't have been best for Nintendo to do more of a PlayStation Plus-like system where uh, you pay it and then every month you get a few games that you can claim. And it's like it's like every month it's like an NES game and a Super Nintendo game and an N64 game and maybe even like a Switch game, like an indie game or something like that. And you're just kind of claiming to your library. And then because they're not giving you a bunch of stuff at once, but rather just like a few games every month, maybe they're able to put in some resources that actually, you know, testing them thoroughly and making sure that, you know, everything is set up the way that it's supposed Supposed to where they have a department that's just kind of setting the like you know almost kind of um giving those games the treatment before they're delivered as opposed to just like here's a bunch of n64 games but then we also didn't even test them um <laughs> i know they did i just mean like it comes across it almost comes across like they didn't with uh with the yeah. you know errors like that so here's an interesting one uh the button layout so for the button layout uh a and b are a and b like in the nintendo 64 and then um, Y is left on the C-stick, and X is down on the C-stick, not up, which is really weird. It's a really weird, uh, um, I don't know, decision. It's mm. also not remappable, which is really weird. Uh, there were more intuitive ways that you could have mapped the controllers and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, <laughs> I guess I'll, uh, I'll stop there for the, uh, for the problems for the Nintendo 64, because we are getting, we are running out of time. Then there are other other N64 uh, hooplas to, to to jump through here. Um, so I'm gonna just say I'm gonna read these things really quick here because there's no. Uh, I mean the articles are here and we'll put them in the in the in the show notes here. But there's a a data mine suggests that at least 38 Nintendo 64 games are coming as well as 52 Sega Genesis titles are coming. So the data mine has like a little bit of a, like a, how do you put it? It's got all the games listed and the games are numbered. And there's a lot of empty slots where you would fill fill in because the games are listed alphabetically. So I'm guessing that the list has already been made uh, on the on the back end. And so they just haven't released those games. So you can sort of figure out what the blanks are, where where certain games would fall. And then on top of that, um, the uh, the platforms are given us a, a number. So NES is one, Super Nintendo is two. Uh, so they gave Nintendo 64 a three, and they gave uh, Sega Genesis five, which means that there is not a four. There's not a, a number four uh, platform. So that could be like your Game Boy Color or your Game Boy Advance. It's like the rumors and speculation is that you know we're gonna at least get one more uh, one more console in this expansion pack. So um, Dan, do you believe this leak? Yeah, no, that that all sounds pretty accurate. I would, I would just say that these lists may not necessarily represent what we ultimately get, but more what they intended, right? So they could have uh, they could have come up with a list of all the, you know, the dream list, all the Nintendo 64 games they want, uh, and then kind of um, numerate them in the back end and kind of set things up. But uh, it could be that there's some of those games that they're still negotiating deals with if they're third party or that they might still be looking for the ROM or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, so you could always see a situation where there are games that were intended that, that in the list that never actually come out. Uh, and Damn. the same, the same could be true for the fourth platform as well. You know, we could, uh, or yeah, the fourth platform, it's probably a Nintendo platform. Um, so, cause I could see that maybe they had four Nintendo platforms already in mind and then they negotiated with Sega and that became number five. Um, so yeah, maybe a uh, game boy, maybe something else, maybe GameCube. Okay. And, Finally, this last bit is a uh, rumor, pure hearsay, uh, but it says here that uh, Nintendo Switch Online Expansion's high price point is probably because of Sega. It's Sega's fault. 
Uh, and it tweets by Emily Rogers Muse that a potential reason for the high Nintendo Switch online expansion price point uh, boils down to licensing costs. She states, quote, I heard Sega were paid very, very well. And that licensing costs adds up when taking into account third-party games on Sega Genesis, such as those uh, published by Konami and Capcom. Rogers claims that the price could also be related to Sega's allegedly low game sales on the Wii Virtual Console service. A reason that she indicates is why Sega didn't bring any of its games to the Wii U Virtual Console. So, do you, uh, Dan, do you believe that Sega is the reason for uh, the, the price? I mean, they're... I would say saying that even if this is true, saying that they're the culprit or they're the reason, it, it is almost kind of selling a, a narrative that comes from a wrong uh, kind of mindset, in my opinion, because Nintendo could spend all the money they wanted on getting this, and then they're the ones that ultimately price it. So theoretically, I'm not saying they should do this, but I'm just saying that theoretically, Nintendo could give Sega a bunch of money and still price them uh, price it cheaper for for the consumers and just kind of take the loss that's what a company like microsoft would have done no i'm not saying that they're obligated to doing that i'm just saying that the decision of the price is still ultimately on nintendo you know you can't go and say like oh it's expensive because of sega they could have said <laughs> they could have not included the sega genesis games they could have they just done game boy advance instead and yeah like my point is like it's their decision they decided what to get and they're ultimately deciding what to price so it's there's no culprit other than Nintendo in my mind. You know, if Sega asked for a billion dollars and they paid it, and now they're passing that off to the consumers, that's on Nintendo. You know, it was their decision. Mm, fair enough, fair enough. Mm. <laughs> it's like, let me put it this way. If uh, if Microsoft uh, goes out and uh, they add, uh, you know, all the Final Fantasy games to Game Pass, and then now they Game Pass doubles in price. Like, I wouldn't be here being like, oh, damn, Square Enix... Like, Microsoft got into a bad deal, made a bad decision, and now it's, like, passing it along to us and overcharging us, you know? So, I don't think mm. they would get that. They wouldn't get the the slack there. So, I don't think we should cut Nintendo the slack on this either. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. And I wouldn't either, because I still hate uh, the price point. They got ratioed when the, uh, when the announcement happened uh, with the dislike buttons and stuff like that. So, uh, final news story for the, for the top news or for the topics of discussion here. Um, a new Smash Brothers fighting game platform fighter is uh, is entering the ring. So Warner Brothers was like, you know what? We have IP too. You know, we can make a crossover game. So the current uh, uh, rumor mill has it is uh, Warner uh, Warner is reportedly making a Smash Bros style game that with Batman and Gandalf. This comes from uh, Video Game Chronicles. Um, it also has Fred Flintstone, Shaggy, and more, and said to be among um, that are said to be among the playable characters. Uh, Warner Brothers is reportedly uh, working on a Smash Bros. Uh, style fighter called Multiverses. Now that name is just A1. I love that name. This chef kiss. Uh, so the, uh, that's according to a Reddit report corroborated by a journalist, Jeff Grubb, mm, a friend of Level 1 Gaming. Further credibility was given to the claims that uh, following the discovery of a trademark filing by Warner Brothers, which registered last month for the name Multiverses. Mm, okay, okay. Uh, the Reddit post claimed that the weekend that the game was being handled by Mortal Kombat developer NetherRealm Studios. It's based on Super Smash Brothers, and it's a tag team game um, that the poster wasn't clear on what it meant. Grubbs confirmed on Twitter that he was aware of the project and that it was real, adding, uh, but it's not a NetherRealm game. Come on, that's what he said. So... 
Uh, the report uh, had claimed in August that NetherRealm was already working on Mortal Kombat 12, prioritizing it over its DC su uh, superhero series Injustice due to the uncertainty over its future with the parent company, WB Games. According to Multiverse's claim, the list of the characters in Multiverse's includes Shaggy from Scooby-Doo, Gandalf from The Lord of the Rings, Tom and Jerry, Batman, Fred Flintstone, Mad Max, Johnny Bravo. Okay. Uh, the leak uh, claims that one of the inspirations for the game was Ultra Instinct Shaggy meme, in which fans designed Shaggy from Scooby-Doo to look like he was in Dragon Ball. Warner Brothers then added Ultra Instinct Shaggy to its opening title of its animated movie, Mortal Kombat Legends, Battle of the Realms. So uh, I'm going to actually play the video here on, uh, uh, there you go. I got to playing the video here on the web uh, on the for you video watchers. You can see like uh, Shaggy saying, get over here and pulling... Uh, uh, Batman or, or Batman, pulling Scorpion in into that little Warner Brothers logo. It's freaking dope. So um, now I just wanted to say uh, before I kick it off to you, Dan, there is a YouTuber, uh, uh, a pro Smash Brothers player. He's like the number one melee player um, uh, last year, like in the 2019 rankings. I think he's fallen to number three. Uh, but Hungrybox is one of the realest uh, Smash Bros. players ever. Uh, Hungrybox reported um, himself, like he broke so, uh, certain news stories uh, when he got inside sources coming to him and telling him, and he was reporting, uh, and he reported several things that were not on this article, so that I just wanted to go ahead and say and add to it as well. According to HBox, uh, it's going to be cross-platform, it's going to be free-to-play, it's going to have voice acting, and it will also feature possibly LeBron James because of Space Jam and New Legacy. And it will have Rick Sanchez from Rick and Morty as well. So, yeah, I just bombarded you with a lot of information. What are your thoughts? Well, uh, first, let me ask you, I, when I was scrolling through Twitter today, I saw what looked like a, like a leaked character screen, select screen. screenshot from the character select screen. Do you know if that yeah, was real? Yeah, I was going to pull that up next, too. Okay, but, okay. Yeah. So you can go and get that because there's some extra characters there, it. too. Uh, I have it this right here. Is, uh, this is absolutely insane, uh, and it would be awesome if it was true. I think between this and Nickelodeon All-Stars, it makes me wonder uh, <laughs> why and, and how interesting it is that we're seeing this kind of weird renaissance of Smash clones, because we had Smash, and then we had PlayStation All-Stars. Oh, we've had Smash for a long time, and then at some point PlayStation tried to do their own, and it wasn't very good. Um, and then I know there's been some on the indie space and everything, uh, but then we just had... You know, Nickelodeon kind of surprised us all, and, and, and it just recently came out, and we're talking about it in the podcast, and now we've got this other story that seems very reliable. I'm pretty sure this is very true, um, and this would be ridiculous. This would be even more ridiculous than Nickelodeon is, seeing freaking Gandalf fight Shaggy, Tom and Jerry fight Batman, Mad Max fight Johnny Bravo. Like, what kind of ridiculous game is this? And with the free-to-play, that, uh, honestly, that just makes me even more excited for it because despite the fact that uh, I love these ideas, I am not somebody that would go out and spend $60 to buy the Nickelodeon game, for instance, like you did. I would not do it for this either. You know why, Louis? Because at the end of the day, I don't have people to play these things with. So <laughs> it, it's not, like, something that I feel compelled for, like... Uh, in fact, nowadays, I very like it takes a lot for me to be compelled to spend sixty dollars in a game uh, when I get, you know, I have access to hundreds of games already through Game Pass and you know my huge PlayStation Plus digital collection and and everything else. Um, so yeah, I think this would be the way to go for this. I almost feel like in this weird way they want to compete with the uh, Fortnite, just in the sense that Fortnite is this. Uh, 
online multiplayer game that just brings characters from a bunch of different franchises in a ridiculous way. And I think they would want the same level of like, oh my god, like, Johnny Bravo was just added to, to uh, whatever the name was, uh, forgot the name of it right now, Multiverses. Uh, like, oh, Johnny Bravo was added to Multiverses this, this month. We've got to go and check it out and, and spend money to get him and stuff. I think that would be the business model here. Uh, so they want to go for that, like, hype-inducing, licensed stuff. I, I even think they might not even keep it to just WB characters. They could be bringing in, like, other, you know, like characters from movies that they can license uh and stuff like that that are not necessarily being used for anything else um so i don't know i just i'm just all around excited i think uh all of this is good news to me yeah i'm a little like uh i'm a little upset by the uh by the free-to-play model Mm -hmm. because when i think of free-to-play i'm thinking that this game is going to be even more expensive than smash bros ultimate was plus Mm -hmm. its base game plus its uh, dlcs like it'll probably be more expensive that way because they'll be able to charge on a per character basis the entire roster, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so, like, I think that would be, uh, like, a money pit right there. That's my only concern. Uh, like, think when I think of, like, Brawlhalla. Like, Brawlhalla only gives you, like, six characters, and then the rest you have to, like, grind and pay for and everything like that. So I'm not really, I um, you know... I'm not really excited for that. I'm excited at the idea of a of multiverses. I love the name. I love the characters and IP that they got under their belt. You know, you got you can put Matrix. You can put like Neo in there. Uh, there's like so many uh, you know IP under Warner Brothers like treasure tre- uh, treasure chest like the Animaniacs. Uh, you can just you know pretty much anything that's on Adult Swim that's owned by Cartoon Network. Everything that's on Cartoon Network. As a matter of fact, um, you know. Warner Brothers did a really good job of pimping out, pimping out their IP in Space Jam and New Legacy. Everything that was in the background was all like Warner Brothers IP. Mm-hmm. And so you pretty much everyone in there, like from the Iron Giant and everyone is fair game uh, uh, for, for multiverses. Um, I'm surprised Scorpion isn't on here, by the way. Like, why not, you know? But anyways, the, that's really interesting. I, show, I have the character select screen here up on screen. Um, the top left character seems to be a, an original character made for the game. Uh, but we got Steven Universe, Batman, Harley Quinn. Uh, I don't know their names, but there's two characters from Adventure Time. You got Shaggy, Superman, Wonder Woman, Gandalf, Rick, Bugs Bunny, and Tom and Jerry. Now, I am digging the art style. It is actually... One of the things that uh, you know Smash Brothers is really good at is it created an art style that's basically consistent for everyone, so that they all gel well together. And I feel like this is basically that. It's got a cartoony art style that just works, and it's very like uh, consistent throughout, so that every character models doesn't really stand out. So, uh, but yeah, um, have you seen the the character select screen? Like, what did you? What are your thoughts on the the, the selection here? Yeah, I don't have it pulled up right now because uh, I don't have access to what you're showing but I did see it on Twitter earlier and I think it's a great selection it's a great starting point um I think this is the kind of game where I think the way they're gonna do it is you you have a few characters unlocked and then they're gonna be selling them in a character by character basis like you said and I think we're gonna be seeing a new character every month uh and you're right there's just so much to pull from you know I wasn't even thinking of uh the DC characters but just think about how many DC characters there there are and and how they could just keep like they could have a different DC character coming up every month, and that would uh, that would give them new characters for years just on that alone. <laughs> you know, if you think of Hanna Barbera characters like Bugs Bunny as well, like that's also there's also you know a wave of characters in there. Uh, so there's there's honestly so much they can do with this. It it this could be, I honestly this could be bigger than Smash Brothers. Um, I don't I'm not saying it will be, but I it could. You know, if if they do it right. Uh, 
and and that's why I was highlighting the fact that it's free to play too. Uh, I I knew you wouldn't like that because you, you're right. It's probably gonna end up making the game more expensive. Uh, but why like why give all of this away for sixty dollars when you can basically have a Fortnite in your hands where people are spending <laughs> hundreds of dollars in your game a year for years to come? You know <laughs> that is so, so evil. God, just, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just oh, saying. God. Damn. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, hell, how much money I spend on Fortnite just on skins? Yeah, now we can actually play as the characters. Like Jesus, because it'll be like uh, it'll be like year three of this. You're already gonna have spent like hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars on it, and then they're gonna release freaking Batgirl or whatever, and then you're gonna have to do it because you can't not have all the characters, right? So <laughs> I, that's, oh, but uh, we'll see if the game is good, right? Like all all of this relies on the game being good first. Yeah, the gameplay needs to be a uh, a one. Um, I'm not really a fan of Brawlhalla as far as its gameplay. It's very floaty. Uh, Hbox's video, his his uh, thing is that according to his sources, is that it plays like Brawlhalla. Mm-hmm. So not sure. Uh, you know, I would say the closer it is to Smash, the better. Like the more you deviate from Smash, the worse. Mm-hmm. Like like talk to a PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale, and then you'll know. You know what I mean? Like if you try to do your own thing too much, then that's gonna be a bad thing. Like, Which. You know, with this becoming a trend again, it might also be about time we see a new PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale, by the way. <laughs> you know what? They need to. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Well, that's it. Going to be it for the top uh, the topics of discussion. I'm going to go ahead and kick it off to extra news. There are 13 items on the list. A baker's dozen. Um, number one. GTA Trilogy's physical edition on Switch, uh, which is published by Nintendo, will require a 25-gigabyte download. Those bastards. Uh, number two. A rumor. Wu-Tang Clans are uh, a Wu-Tang Clan RPG is in the works at Microsoft from the new studio Brass Lion, and it's said to be working on a Wu-Tang Clan lore on a game on a game with the Wu-Tang Clan lore. Uh, number three, Nvidia's GeForce Now streaming service is now available through Microsoft Edge, enabling Xbox owners to play PC games on their console. Although Death Stranding is a notable exception, those bastards blocked it out. Uh, number four, Nintendo puts a warning on uh, Mario Party Superstars minigame to not use a palm to rotate the left stick and to as to not irritate your skin and avoid damaging the stick. So back in the olden days uh, on the Nintendo 64, you people had to like, you know, they rotated the, the, the controller like that and they caused like a, like a, like a burn, like a friction burn on the palm. Then Nintendo actually had to give away uh, gloves for free. <laughs> and now they're just putting that little warning on the actual game itself uh, within, like, don't use your palm. So that's very funny. I thought that was very awesome. Um, number five, a Sonic Mania sequel was scrapped due to a clash between Sega and Evening Star Studio. Those bastards. Uh, number six, in an effort to move towards the future, there are 343 Industries is shutting down servers for Halo games on the Xbox 360 in January. Again, those bastards. Uh, number seven, Xbox hardware revenue is up 166% as Microsoft continues to battle supply constraints. Number eight, a new listing on Steam's database appears to suggest a sack, that Sackboy, a big adventure, is coming to PC. Number nine, No More Heroes developer Grasshopper Manufacturer has been acquired by Chinese de- uh, publisher NetEase Games. Those bastards. Number 10, Overwatch character McCree uh, will officially be renamed as Cole Cassidy on October 26th, uh, Blizzard has announced. Number 11, uh, Blizzard has canceled its next BlizzCon event following the sexual discrimination and harassment scandal, which has tarnished the studio's reputation. I don't even know how to, how to, how to feel about that. I was the first going to be like those bastards, but maybe not. <laughs> Number 12, check this out. Xbox released a six-minute in, uh, 
Halo Infinite came, uh, campaign overview trailer uh, on the Xbox YouTube channel. Link is going to be in the show notes, of course. And finally, the last thing is the roundup. Uh, Grand Theft Auto, the Trilogy Definitive Edition remasters will launch will launch digitally on November 11th and physically in December, I believe December 7th. Uh, Nintendo also has delayed Advance Wars 1 and 2 re- reboot camp to spring 2022. Dan, what do you, uh, what do you want to react to? Louis, I think it says a lot about the biases of our podcast that we spent so much time discussing uh, Nintendo 64 games on the Switch, a state of play where nothing new or exciting was announced, um, as well as a new Pikmin game on mobile in the week that the campaign for Halo Infinite was finally revealed. (laughs) <laughs> after after many years of uh, speculation and expectations, after a whole year-long delay, um, you know, this is like what the internet was reacting to over the last week. Uh, and to us, it's a mere check this out at the end of our extra news. Um, <laughs> you know what? You could have vetoed it and you could have moved it up to topics of discussion. You could have bumped Pikmin if you wanted. I, con- I considered it, but you know what? I, I figured that it was fair because i don't even know if you watched it i was just watching it right now before we went live i watched it Uh, and you know what it looks like halo i like the uh which we had already seen before but i look i like the the hook shot thing that they have the grappling hook i think that seems to add a lot of uh like it makes the gameplay a lot more dynamic but aside from that to to my eyes it very much just looks like more halo uh which looks great uh i'm i'm excited for it i'm sure it has the potential to be a great game uh i don't see anything in it that feels like it's going to reinvent the franchise or or anything along those lines like i don't think this is trying to do to halo what uh breath of the wild tried to do to zelda i think this is just supposed to be a really cool awesome polished new halo uh with a few new things um and you know We'll see whether that's enough to uh, to make it a game of the year contender, to make it reinvigorate the franchise, or not when when it releases less than two months from now. Now, you know, like a month and yeah. a half, basically. I, I watched the trailer uh, all the way through when it first came out that same day, and I was impressed by like just how pretty it was, and mm-hmm. you know, better graphics than last year's uh, showcase. Uh, so it's a step up, and it looks fun. It looks very exciting. It looks like they're sort of retooling the formula, whereas like. Since I've, I've, all of my Halo experience seems to be Halo 1. So keep in mind that with Halo 1, it's all like basically a hallway. It's corridors. It's very like linear. Mm-hmm. And uh, I imagine that the other Halos are basically pretty much also invisible walls and corridors and stuff. Uh, this is very much looking like a semi-open world, like kind of like with that Last of Us chapter where it's in Seattle. Yeah. And it's very big and you can sort of navigate how you want to navigate. So I like the scope. I like the I like what's on display here. So it looks really good, you know. Mm. Um, and... As far as like, you know, my excitement, I'm already kind of generally excited already as it is. So, you know, right. I'm not even more excited. My my general hype level is already at set to standard. And as far as the um, uh, the, the Game Awards uh, mentioned that you mentioned about winning Game of the Year, I don't even think it's going to be eligible because I think it comes out in like December. So oh, you miss, might be right. Oh. It'll miss the deadline. Oh, no. 
Oh no, that's uh, that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate because if the game turns out to be really great, uh, then it could it could have had a shot, especially in a year like this year where I feel like there's not a lot of other universally beloved games. Uh, there's a lot of games that came out that people like. You know, there's Deathloop, who's a big contender. There are games like It Takes Two that I think are also like me. People might have forgotten uh, by that point, but it is one of the best reviewed games of the year and stuff. Um, but yeah, that 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 sucks because. If it comes out on December 8th and it, it misses the eligibility range, then that means that it's only going to be eligible for next year's. But by the time we get to next year's voting, then people... It, well, number one, next year is probably going to have bigger releases to for it to compete with, like God of War and Horizon <laughs> and, and other games like Breath of the Wild 2 and everything else. Um, and then also people probably might have forgotten about it by this by that point. Although this Halo is supposed to be a live service game, so who knows? Who knows? Maybe maybe this is a Halo game that will win Game of the Year two years from now or something. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, kind of like Fortnite. You know, it will win the you know the ongoing game awards or whatever. Um, I would say yeah, the best ongoing game uh, award would probably be better suited for for Halo. But yeah, I'm just saying, just in general, like uh, you know, that's that's what happens when a game comes out in December. Like you know, sort of like take a thing about like Xenoblade Chronicles Two, and you know what happened yeah. to Smash Brothers Ultimate. You know. So. In in other news here, uh, it seems like the the Sony games coming to PC trend is going to continue if with uh, Sackboy a Big Adventure seemingly being the next one. Yeah, not I'm a little surprised by that one because that's just like the most that's a little too recent. Yeah. Uh but also I don't even think it really moved the needle when it came to the launch of the PS5 because everyone was talking about Miles Morales and and uh Dark Souls to that care might, about that one. That might have been a game that uh that just didn't sell that well, you know, and I feel like that might be why they're uh they're accelerating the process there like hey, like uh you know, maybe they broke even or just didn't profit as much as they wanted to or even lost money. And they're going, hey, let's just uh, put, you know, spend some months in here, put this on PC uh, and then try to uh, try to get our money back. So that we could be looking at that situation over there. And now just wanted to ask you, Dan, did we did we already cover that the Xbox 360 Halo games were already shutting down? Is this the second time we're they're announcing it? Or yes. are they announcing like a new date? No, we already covered it. I think uh, they're confirming the date now. Um, I don't know. You added this to the to the extra news. I just found the link for it. This was reported on just a few days ago, but I remember we covered this before. I must it must have been a, like a new date. Maybe like if we reported on it, it might have had like an earlier date or whatever. Right. And now they're just saying, okay, now it's in January. So I think they moved. I think it's a likelihood that they just moved it, so we have more time with it. Which, but... to be fair, that's the kind of shutdown that I think I'm totally cool with because you can play all of those games on Xbox One, you know, no problem. It is really like uh, I don't think there's a lot of people out there that are playing the original Halo games online on the Xbox 360 in 2022. Um, I, I, and, and they gave us a heads up months ago and now they're giving us a heads up again. I think that this is the right way to do it. If anything, you know, all those, these games are not dying. They'll still be playable on, you know, Xbox one and series X and everything else. Um, so I feel like this is like Microsoft is almost giving us a lesson on how to do this right when compared to, uh, to other companies. And it's just sudden and out yeah. of nowhere. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for, uh, as far as extra news goes. Um, so Dan, I believe it is time for me to give the show over to you. Yes, it is. What are you buying? So going through our new releases and updates here, uh, we got a few notes to hit up first. Uh, from Resident Evil, 
Chris Redfield and Jill Valentine skins are now available in Fortnite, as well as a Joker dressed up as Batman and Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya as their characters from the movie Dune. So plenty of new licensed characters hitting Fortnite. Are you? Did you already grab those all, all of them, Louis? I have. I have all of them. <laughs> I straight up got all of them in one go. Uh, the Batman, he's crazy. Like he's, it's literally the Joker. Like, and you can see his smile, like this big teeth, and he's got like this Batman cowl going on, and it's like his name is uh, the Batman that laughs, is what it's called. Dang, it looks really dope. That sounds scary. Um, a new version 2.0 update for the PS5 exclusive game Returnal uh, has come out, and it added a system that allows players to temporarily save their progress and shut down their console, a feature that a lot of players believe should have been there from the beginning. Uh, and they also added a photo mode. Uh, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot was stealth drop it dropped on Stadia. And then we got a new update to Doom Eternal, update 6.66. Uh, it added a horde mode. The arcade-style mode has players defeating waves of demons to unlock new weapons and challenges, competing online through seasonal leaderboards, completing all the encounters and puzzles, unlocks over seven new skins, including the Doom 2 Slayer and the Biker Slayer. Cool. Uh, Apple Music has launched on the PS5 this week. Uh, and there is a new Xbox update that adds a 4K dashboard, night mode, and more. I believe we actually covered this uh, this update before, before it released, as in like, hey, this is coming in the future, and now it's actually out there. So I actually, I'm going to go and update my Series X and try some of these things out, because uh, different than Lua's, I tend to like night modes and things like that. <laughs> Although I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking about dark mode. Night mode is a different thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, night modes. Uh, so yeah, you know what's kind of funny is like with the with my Xbox, uh, since I have my Series X hooked up to my TV and it's a 4K TV and the text just doesn't look sharp. It's like it's a 1080p like menu and stuff like that. So I'm glad that they're finally you know redoing the menu to support 4K output. I think that should have been there day one, if anything. But that's a good now point. Now I'll have extra crispy text. So yeah. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So now let's hit up our new releases here over the next week, as we always do, starting with October 29th, which is the day of release of the podcast on audio feeds. We got Mario Party Superstars coming out exclusively on the Switch, a superstar collection of classic Nintendo 64 boards calling all superstars. The Mario Party series is back with five classic boards from the Nintendo 64 Mario Party games. Race to get the most stars and sabotage your opponents on boards like the Stellar, Spaceland, or the Spooky Horror Land. Party at your own pace by suspending a game and picking up right where you left off. The tides can turn quickly in Mario Party, so stay vigilant, partygoers. All modes can be played online, too. Play 100 classic minigames from the Nintendo 64 and Nintendo GameCube games and more in MT minigames? I think it's like mountain minigames. Mountain minigames, all right. We got a game called Unpacking coming out on the Switch and PC on November 2nd, same day as World War Z is hitting the Switch. Then on November 3rd, we got Blood Shore coming out on the PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, PC, iOS, and Android. So pretty Damn. much every platform known to man. Then on November 4th, we got Just Dance 2022 coming out on PS5, Xbox Series, Xbox One, Switch, and Stadia. Just Dance 2022, the ultimate dance game, is back with new universes and 40 hot new tracks from chart-topping hits to greatest classics. Looking to share some fun with friends and family? Just Dance 2022 is for you. Exercise while having fun. Create your own routine with sweat mode and custom playlists. 
get a dance party started, team up with your friends, and show off your moves in co-op mode. And that same day, November 4th, we also got The Binding of Isaac Repentance coming out on the Xbox Series X and S. That is a DLC content expansion for The Binding of Isaac Rebirth. And Where Cards Fall is coming out on the Switch and the PC. So, cool. Louis, I'm guessing the pick of the week is the new Mario Party game, right? It's obviously Mario Party. But, you know, it's kind of really weird. Is like, it's so interesting not seeing Just Dance, like, coming out on the Wii. Since I'm so used <laughs> to, like, the Wii still being supported for Just Dance. So, I'm surprised they didn't do that. But, yeah. Got a selection of good things on sale, stranger. So we're going to go through our broke gamers guide here with some free games and deals and all of that good stuff. And we'll start as typical with our free games in the Epic Game Store. Although we are recording earlier this week, we are recording on a Wednesday. I almost forgot about that. So Among the Sleep will not be available anymore when people hear this podcast we covered the last week. Uh, as long as this doesn't change, the game that you guys should have for free instead is Dark Complete Edition that should be free from October 28th to November 4th. So let's pull this guy up here and see what it is. Dark tells the story of Lloyd, a boy who finds himself in the middle of a lucid nightmare. Unable to wake up, Lloyd has to face his fears and decipher the meaning of the dream. This looks like, uh, almost looks like Inside a little bit. It's like one of those dark scary uh puzzle platforming kind of games um i'm not gonna lie this is actually uh this video looks fucking tripping balls yeah like, straight up this is very like, interesting oh. this looks like something that uh that actually has some uh i don't know has some uh potential here uh, and it's perfect for halloween since it comes out it's coming out on yeah. halloween weekend yeah perfect uh it was originally released uh in may of this year cool so yeah go and grab that in the epic game store and I need a, I need to get uh, claim uh, um, the among the sleep uh, because I forgot to. So definitely gonna do that tonight. All right. Uh, on the Nintendo store, we got a Ubisoft sale. Uh, some of the things that you can get here are Mario Plus Rabbits Kingdom Battle for just fifteen dollars. Uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, the game complete edition for just seven forty nine. I gotta go and get that. That's half uh, off. Yeah. Damn. Immortals Phoenix Rising is $24. Assassin's Creed 3 Remastered is $15. The Rebel Collection, which includes Rogue and Black Flag, is just $20. Monopoly for Nintendo Switch is $10. And Family Feud is $15. Um, good stuff. There's also a Capcom Halloween sale that includes uh, a bunch of Devil May Cry games, some Resident Evil games, um, some interesting stuff uh, there too. Uh, it looks like the Jackbox Party Pack 6 is on sale as well. Louis, anything else you want to shout out from the, uh, the Switch? Uh, there was one other uh, thing that I noticed here. Okay, first off, there's Warner Brothers is having a Halloween sale as well. So Mortal Kombat 11 is like discounted. Uh, but the more interesting thing that I saw here is that Danganronpa, the, uh, the upcoming Danganronpa releases, um, they're, on a, they're on a digital pre-order sale, oh, which is insane. So uh, you can get the games, I think, what is it? Is it, uh, is it 10% off, looks of it? Uh, so like instead of twenty dollars, it's eighteen dollars. Instead of thirty dollars, it's twenty-seven dollars. So yeah, there's a ten percent off uh, for the Ding and Rampa games, which are the games that I did not buy on the Vita, which I really <laughs> wanted to buy on the Vita, so I can get all of those games ten uh, percent off uh, ahead of its December second release. So that's a very well uh, early bird special there going on. All right, now uh, onto the PlayStation Store. We got a Halloween sale here, save up to seventy-five percent. Uh, we got Resident Evil Village, which just came out earlier this year. You can get for 40 bucks now as opposed to 60. Uh, Biomutant, you can get for under 40 bucks as opposed to 60 as well. 
Uh, Friday the 13th, the game is just 374. Resident Evil 2, the remake is uh, 1599. Resident Evil 7 is just uh, $10. Uh, Little Nightmares uh, 1 is $7.49. Men of Medan is $9.89, while Little Hope, which was the second game in that series, is $14.99. Anything else that you want to shout out, Louis? Uh, no, it's pretty standard fare. Uh, a lot of these uh, games are the games that we tend to see a lot on these sales anyways, so yeah. Okay, sounds good. Uh, there's also November Savings. Uh, actually, I want to shout out a few other things here in the PlayStation Store. So uh, Deathloop seems to be 34% off so if you have a if you have a ps5 you might want to go and uh and get that now oh this is interesting i wonder if this is a if this is a mistake but i i clicked on death loop right the the on the sales page uh and then it shows death loop ps5 40 bucks but then there's death loop deluxe edition 52 bucks but the deluxe edition says ps5 and ps4 interesting um, so i wonder what's up with that that does not sound right it's not a, i don't think it's on ps4 uh let's see here um, I would imagine that the PS4 is probably like a like a soundtrack or something like that. Right, so, right, right. Or just uh, you know, like some theme or avatar pack or something like that included in the deluxe edition is is compatible with the PS4. Yeah, um, it's probably that. Yeah, cool. And then uh, there's the November deals as well, and it doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, I don't know, a lot of big deals there really. Um, there's some deals on Hitman Three uh, if you want to go look at that. But let's move on to uh i have a story here uh which i thought was a little interesting we're just been talking about the gta trilogy remastered uh and there are parts of it that are coming to game pass and playstation now rockstar has announced that some of the individual games from gta the trilogy the definitive edition will be made available on xbox game pass and playstation now uh specifically gta san andreas will join xbox game pass starting on november 11th uh, as well as uh, GTA 3 will be going to PlayStation Now on December 7th. So Vice City will only be included, uh, you know, you, you will have to buy Vice City. It will not be available on any subscription service. But specifically, San Andreas will be on Game Pass in November. And specifically, GTA 3 will be on PS Now in December. I wonder what kind of marketing strategy this is. but It is odd. I, th I think the idea is like, on Xbox, if you're a Game Pass subscriber, you go and you download St. Andreas, you have a good time with it, and then you go and you want to buy the whole trilogy. Um, and then maybe it's the same on PlayStation or PS Now. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the, what the deal is there. And then uh, Steam has announced the dates for their upcoming sales uh, for you know the rest of the year. So the Halloween sale uh, should be active uh, over the weekend if you are listening to this podcast around the time that it posts. Uh, between October 28th and November 11th. Uh, then we're going to have the autumn sale on November 24th until November 30th. And the winter sale from December 22nd to January 5th. Um, if we're able to, we're going to be covering some of those sales in the podcast. Probably not the, the winter sale, actually, because that will be while we're... During our break. During our break, yeah. exactly. Uh, yeah, but the winter sale is definitely the big one. It's usually like the biggest sale that they do as far as like the number of high quality AAA games. And it tends to be like game of the year award winners or game of the year nominees and stuff like that. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah. Well, just saying, at least you got the dates here. We now know where, when they, when it'll take place. Uh, so anyways, that being said, Dan, do you want to continue? Yes. All right, cool.
So sharing the love is a segment that we forget to do almost all the time. <laughs> so I did a bomb ass sharing the love right at a show and tell with the with the game gear. And now Dan has to follow me up. And I don't know how you can follow that up. Oh, I won't. But go ahead. I won't. And take it uh, <laughs> the truth is I've ran out of stories a long time ago. Um, <laughs> it's funny you 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 wanted me to do sharing the love today and then i was like i couldn't even remember like what games have i talked about on sharing the love because i did i was worried about being like like talking about something and it being a repeat like oh yeah you know skyward sword great game and it's like that was like my second one or something so i went through <laughs> like we louis and i used to have this excel sheet where we tracked everything but we haven't tracked anything after episode like 50 or something so i was going through all the episodes to see like when we did sharing the love and then figuring out and i should probably have added that information to the spreadsheet but i didn't uh try to figure <laughs> out which games i talked about since then and and did you know this that we've only done like this entire year of 2021 we've done sharing the love less than 10 times and it, i think it's like eight times and it's like one of them is leah and then there's dallas and hugger and kyle <laughs> and kyle and then you did it like three times and i've only done it like once actually like or actually oh you did it two times we did a collective one where we were talking about the Game Boy and Metroid because of the anniversaries. Uh, and then I did like one. <laughs> um, so uh, we didn't do Sharing the Love a lot. But, we, you know, we did it, we did it a few times. Um, and I was thinking, you know, what do I want to share the love for today? What makes sense? I ran through a lot of different ideas. But then I realized that this is kind of our Halloween episode because... We are releasing this. This is coming out on the 29th on podcast feeds, on the 30th, on uh, on the Level 1 Gaming channel right before um, Halloween Day. And so I was like, I got to do something that kind of has to do with, uh, with Halloween. And I want to just kind of share the love for a game that we've talked about in the podcast many times. Um, so it's not going to be super original. It's not going to be, uh, you know, super unexpected. But it is, in my opinion, one of the best um uh, like horror games that i play one of the most fun horror games that i played which is until dawn the ps4 game until dawn um and the thing about until dawn is that i actually played through the game twice and the first time that i played through the game um i was hanging out with my sister a lot it was a time frame where um i was living in this apartment in orlando and she was actually not quite living with me because she was living in a dorm she was going to college and living in a dorm in college uh but she would come and hang out in my apartment uh and we would uh or like i would go and see her um like near like where she was going to college and stuff and there was this time frame where she was hanging out with me and i just happened to uh turn on until dawn i was like oh let me see what this game is about and then she just kind of sat next to me and she's not somebody that's typically into video games, but she got really into it. And she was like, oh, do this, do that. You know, like pick this choice, pick that choice. And just kind of- The backseat gaming. Yeah, like the backseat gaming, like playing the game with me that way. I think I even gave the controller to her at some point for a little bit. And then she like tried to play it for a little bit, but she got too stressed and then gave it back to me. Um, <laughs> she didn't really know what it was, what, uh, what she was doing. Uh, but she got like really into it. She got so into it to the point where I would be tired. Like it was like we played it for like hours and hours. And that game is kind of long, actually. Like if you think about it, it's not like a, it's not, it's not like a five-hour experience. I think that game is actually closer to being, um, I don't know, maybe closer to like twenty hours or something. And you know, we we played late into the night to the point where I was like, I'm I'm kind of tired, Gabby. I want to I want to go to sleep. And she'd be like, No, let's let's keep going. I want to see I want to see what happens. She was like she was engaged with it like 
uh, she would have been like at a show uh and eventually you know uh we went to sleep and then i think this was like over a weekend and then i woke up the next day and she's like hey do you want to play more until dawn um and uh and we're going through it and the funny thing too uh with that playthrough is that uh, until dawn in, in until dawn you play with eight different characters and you're going through all these stupid horror movie tropes uh, and any of the characters can die you can end the game with any permutation of those characters being alive or dead you could end the game with all of them being alive or all of them being dead in anywhere in between and we were doing a pretty decent job at keeping almost everybody alive up until like the last quarter of the game and then in the last quarter of the game we lost like six of the characters basically we like lost it was like so frustrating like i just kept making bad decisions and losing people uh like i had this character die just randomly because i like in a way that i felt was really cheap actually because it was like there was like some knocking uh i don't want to spoil it but there's like some knocking coming from somewhere and if you go investigate it this character just gets killed immediately um and then um eventually even on the final part you know i lost like two people there too and um and and we had this uh you know we or our movie almost our movie or our story almost had like a sad ending because we ended it with like two people alive right and everybody else just just did um you know most horror movies just end with one that's true one girl that's true. one girl living like the final girl um like the trope and and you know and that was a you know that was a fun experience that we shared and uh she really she really liked it and then we watched all the i think there was like bonus content where you could watch like behind the scenes like talking with the actors and stuff and watched all of that and uh up to this day it's just one of the few games that she remembers or talks about she'd be like oh yeah like until dawn or whatever like you know if we're talking about a game or whatever or something uh and then but the fun thing about until dawn is that uh it is actually a very fun game to replay as well especially if you give it a little bit of time to where you don't remember the entire story because there are different outcomes and different ways to end it uh i actually went back to it a few years later uh during halloween time during the halloween month and i played it with leah once again i was playing the game and then she was next to me and telling me what to do and like you know backseat gaming with me and then i went through the entire thing again and i didn't remember half of the details of the story uh, remember some of the beats and then this time since it was my second time playing it i tried harder you know to not lose people and to keep everybody alive and it was so like difficult and i was so tense when i was getting to these moments where i knew that i could lose people very easily and i actually was able to end the game in that second playthrough with everybody alive uh oh. and there was something kind of interesting about that which was that uh it almost felt like it almost felt like it was a movie with no stakes at that point because it's like <laughs> like Oh, all of that happened, and then everybody's alive at the end. <laughs> you know, like nobody, like, and it's funny too because there's like there's a side character uh, that you don't play as that dies in the story. It's like some random character that lives in the village or whatever. And when you get to the end of the game with everybody alive, they're all talking about like because they they have different lines that they can use in that scene. Uh, all the all the characters are talking about like, oh yeah, and uh, an X died. Uh, and it almost feels like uh, who cares <laughs> like you know like it's just like the extra died okay um but yeah you know i just think until dawn is a very special game um i think it is uh like it is not i don't even know if it's particularly like innovative with anything that it does because it just kind of takes what quantic dream was already doing it with uh you know heavy rain and stuff and just and just kind of maximizes it 
Um, but I feel like it was it was so well done and it's so cheesy. The story is so bad in a great way. Uh, that's really making fun of uh, horror movies, and it's a perfect. I just think it's like a perfect Halloween game. It's like a perfect game to play over the weekend uh, on Halloween. You know, have somebody next to you watching it and talking about it. It's very like engaging, even to watch. Um, and and if you're not, even if you're not playing, and also. That game was the first time that I saw Rami Malek in something, and uh, it was what introduced me to him as an actor. I might have seen him in stuff before, but not just not known. Uh, and since then, he's kind of he's kind of blown yeah. up. He's in he's in all sorts of things now. So I I often think about that too. Like whenever I see him in anything, I'm like, oh yeah, the guy from Until Dawn. You know, like uh, I think his name was Josh. Uh, yeah, Josh from Until Dawn. Um, I got yeah. something spoiled for me, like uh, about about Rami Malek's character in Until Dawn. Oh. So well, you yeah. might not. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's not let's not spoil it for the for the listeners. No, I'm not gonna spoil it here, obviously. But I'm saying, like, knowing what I know about Rami Malek's character, I would be inclined to take certain actions or inactions with him. Mm. Uh, interesting, so. interesting. Yeah. So yeah, excellent game. If you haven't played it, you should. I recommend it to all the listeners. And that's my uh, Halloween sharing the love for tonight. Dope. That was actually pretty good. Thank you. Uh, I wouldn't have thought of that one, but yeah, that's a good one. All right, so with that out of the way, let's go ahead and, and wrap up this, this, uh, this show. So it is time to end. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Press Play. Re- remember, you can reach the podcast at readyplaynetwork.com or simply at Ready Press Play on Twitter uh, um, or TikTok. I'm on Twitter at Chocolaka88 and Dan. At the Dan Lima. Don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, and tell your friends about the show and all the good stuff. See you next time. Bye-bye.